Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury law firm. If you find yourself needing legal representation this year, do the smart thing. Call the best team in East Tennessee, the Garza Law Firm, at 865-540-8300. That's 865-540-8300. GarzaLaw.com. You can chat with somebody 24-7. Before you say guilty, say Garza. We appreciate Marcos and his team for their continued support. The Garza Law Firm. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. 38 in a row. As in 38 on answer point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. We have finally made it to August. We're close and getting closer to football season. Seth joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to hear your voice as usual. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's getting close to football time. How hot is your chili right now? It's uh, it's about the same as it was. It's about the same as it was. Although seeing that Jalen McCullough wasn't running with the starters today did did maybe increase it half a, half, a deg- half a degree. I didn't realize how many, like, seniors and super seniors we were having in our secondary. I was looking at, like, projected depth charts. And they still had, you know, Tank as the – as a starter, but like everybody was starters and, and, and seniors and, and super seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy that Tamarian McDonald is a senior already to me. But yeah, he is. So yeah, I'm excited. Practice notes don't really do much for me. No, I mean, they don't me either. Like, it's just kind of nothing's really going to. Like, it's only interesting if you can just like have an idea of who's going to start like that's you know i mean that was the only thing i mean especially the first day they're not even in pads yeah and with the way tennessee's schedule is set up this year with basically two preseason games all that's going to matter is who's starting when we go to the swamp i imagine a lot of people are going to play against virginia and a lot of people are going to get play against austin p and then we'll kind of go from there so I'm not really worried about who's on the depth chart where until then. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully a lot of people get to play. will be a very bad sign. Yeah, if we don't beat Virginia by like 30 and, and, and get to not, – maybe not necessarily empty the bitch, but at least like play your, your two your two deep. Backups should be able to play. Second string should be able to play. At least like a quarter. And maybe, like, you know, in, in terms of position battles, you you got the backup secondary people in, you know, throughout the game, kind of working with different units. I, I would like to be able to do that the first two weeks. 
Yep, for sure. So yeah, practice practice notes don't really. I mean, I just especially on a team where you pretty much know who everyone like you know every single starter on the team. Like, there's not really much to like 18, 20 out of the 22 spots are locked in already. I mean, you know, there can be some movement here and there, but there's not really anything up for grabs. And it's not like you're relying on any freshman, really. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, your, your newcomer on defense is like a 25-year-old grown man Yeah. from BYU. There's plenty of game film out of him. Like, it's not like he's a unknown commodity. So, yeah, practice isn't doing much for me. I've been kind of just uh, consumed with the latest round of realignment talk. I used to not care about it, but this this year especially, this calendar year, I, I've kept up with it uh, regularly. Um, it's been pretty entertaining, I think. Yeah, it feels like the last stand. It feels like the last stand for the Pac-12, and they seem dead in the water. It seems over for them. Talk about – yeah, you know what? Do you want to talk about somebody just absolutely just botching – Something, them losing USC and UCLA, and or maybe they went before they had lost them. I think I think it was after, but they went to like NBC and CBS and ABC or whoever, and they asked for seventy five percent of what the Big Ten got. <clears throat> asked for seventy five percent, and we're told flat out no. A hard no. Like, absolutely not. You are not worth 65 to 75% of what the Big Ten is getting. And instead of, like, renegotiating, the Pac-12 just walked away. And we're like, well, we'll find something else. And, I mean, they talked to ION. They talked to Apple TV. They walked away from both of those only to settle back on <laughs> Apple TV. I mean, it's just... I think being on a streaming surface is the absolute final death knell. Yeah, it's a death blow. And, like, I don't think there's really any coincidence that, uh, you know, they brought the Dale to the the schools, and now basically the schools are like, yeah, we're, we're leaving. Like, Arizona ramped up, like, hey, we're, we're going to the Big 12. We gave a chance to see what kind of TV, TV deal you were going to get us, and you did not get us a TV deal. You got us a phone, tablet, computer deal. And a, a smart TV or a fire stick. Like, we're not on a cable network anymore. Yeah, and not only did Arizona... Like, Arizona, the three other corner schools have given them a chance. But they've... This has been going on for one calendar... Like, for one full year. Like, this started this time last year. Their TV deal expires within a year. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this upcoming year is the last year. Like, they have been so patient for this guy, Klyavikov. Klyavikov, however you say it. Just be like, yeah... It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then just like, you know, I mean, they botched San Diego State. They completely botched the San Diego State thing, which wasn't going to – I mean, it was just going to be something. But they completely botched that. I mean, they couldn't even get the team from the Mountain West. Well, if you're the teams in the Mountain West, yeah, it's cool being in the Power Five, but like – if you don't know how much money you're going to get. Oh, no, I don't blame them a bit. Yeah, yeah, but if I'm San Diego State, I might be like, you know what? Uh, 
We got mountains. We're Aztecs. We might fit in the Big 12 if they need an extra player. I'm maybe going to hold off. And, yeah, I mean, they botched in terms of their announcement and then went crawling back and all that stuff. But still, it's it's crazy to me, not, you know, not even just them walking away from Fox and all that, but, like, the fact that they were in basically the same exact situation as the Big 12 and that they got their ass kicked so bad by the Big 12. Like, USC and UCLA and Texas and Oklahoma – pretty much left at the same time and like the big 12 lost their number one and number two and of course the pac-12 lost usc which is their number one but i don't know where ucla ranks in that pecking order probably behind uh you know washington and and oregon but either way the big 12 kicked their ass and now they're going to survive and the pac-12 looks like they are going to die yeah i mean because because uh brett gormark immediately made the deal he didn't wait like the Pac-12 guy did he just was like okay I'm gonna go get us a deal now we're gonna we're gonna get the deal done now and it's gonna be a good deal we're not gonna try to get anything better we're just gonna get it now and he got it done and now from what I understand there's like the Pac one issue the Pac-12's had is that they're so far down the pecking order like ESPN's been trying to do you know they had the ESPN had UFC and WWE to ink like the the NBA deal, NBA TV deal might be up for renewal. Like, the the Pac-12 is so far down. Like, they just, they waited too long. Like, there are more important things now. And they're also kind of cutting some costs back at ESPN. Yeah, correct. And, you know, a big deal of what the, the Big 12 got was with their TV deal, they got what the SEC and what the Big 10 have, which is basically an automatic clause of hey if you get new members we'll up the deal yeah that percentage or that that amount each school gets i think what 31.7 million dollars in the big 12 so any anyone who comes like colorado you're guaranteed to get that 31 million dollars and i think pac-12 i just read that the pac-12 i think is less than 20 yeah yeah i mean i haven't is that the updated number of the apple tv deal because the apple tv deal it's, I haven't it's, seen it's dependent. So part of it, I thought, I think that it might be dependent on subscriptions. It right? is. It is. So yeah, like yeah. there are people, there are people trying to spin it saying that like it could go high. It could be a really good deal if they get enough subscribers, but most likely it's probably going to be pretty middling because they're not going to hit those numbers because no one's really going to care about these games. And then, you know, before we come on the air, you know, we had the whole, whatever the hell Florida state was doing, which is, Seems like Florida State's board is basically trying to strong arm the ACC. Yeah. It's basically, it just seems like them them threatening the ACC of saying, hey, we're going to leave. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how, unless you start paying us like we deserve. But for the ACC to do that, then like Syracuse and Boston College are going to immediately turn around and sue, right? Is my understanding like they can the ACC can agree to do that, but that like then all the other smaller schools are just going to bring a lawsuit that says you can't like you can't waive the agreement. We I just don't understand like how it happens, how this ends any other way other than Florida State just negotiating a buyout and getting out of the yeah th- that that guy like their their current plan I think is just to light the match and throw it in the house and just set the house on fire as you walk out. Like, they don't – they have to be nervous with the Yahoo Sports 
article today by Dan Wetzel saying that now the Big Ten has started an exploratory committee into Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and UCLA. I mean, they have to, they have to be getting really nervous now. Yeah, these spots start filling up. And, you know, of course, if the Big Ten goes to 18 or 20, you would imagine the SEC, you know, follows suit. Yeah. Why doesn't the ACC add more teams? Well, that's what I was getting at. Uh, that was part of my original point. I didn't actually get there because I was going to wait, but well, I was working on getting there. But when I said that the Big 12 has that in their contract where they get to add money, to my knowledge, the SEC has that. The Big Ten has that. The ACC does not. Okay, so that's what the issue is. The, the ACC got completely fucked by ESPN like 10 years ago or however many years ago it was when they signed their deal. They signed the, they, well, they signed this contract that's an eternity. They signed a 20-year deal, which is really, really, really dumb because that's the ACC commissioner had absolutely no foresight to realize how valuable sports were going to come. So, yeah, like they're getting ready to get doubled up by these other – you know, by the SEC and by the, by the Big Ten. And, again, to my knowledge and from what I've listened to and read – the the ACC can't incentivize any teams to come. They can't get a new – they don't get more money from ESPN. So if they add a team, they're basically just cutting a smaller piece of the pie. So that's what the issue is. Because they have – like, the ACC has three really good programs. They have Clemson, Florida State, and Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame is a member. They play five ACC games a year. Like, you, you know, they can just make it scheduled to where Notre Dame plays the good teams every year. Like – then you have Miami. I mean, you, you could do something. I feel like you could really do something with the ACC that you can't do with the the Pac-12, obviously. And I mean, I don't know. I would think the ACC would be more of more attractive than the Big Twelve if you could if you could negotiate the money. Well, see, that's the thing is they're not going to be able to negotiate. And the you money. just can't do that. And also, what's kind of really messed up about it is. Who owns the SEC contract? Disney, ESPN. Who owns the ACC contract? Disney, ESPN. So, like, it's almost like ESPN can choke out the ACC to get the good ACC schools into the SEC. There are, like, three ACC games that people would care about. If you saw all of a sudden added Florida State and Clemson into the SEC, that's like 15 extra games you could care about because almost every matchup would seem big. Yeah. So it almost behooves ESPN to just kind of strangle the ACC out. For sure. Because I don't know like what happens if the if those teams leave. Like Does ESPN just get to cancel the entire deal? Because like, hey, sorry, we don't want to show North Carolina State, Wake Forest anymore, but welcome to the SEC, Clemson, Florida State. So, like, yeah, college football, we, we've known this for a while, is, you know, kind of over as we know it this year. But it does seem like it's going to just drastically change over the next couple of weeks, if I'm guessing. I do love that the Big Ten is like, hey, we're not going to try to poach Oregon and Washington unless, like, Arizona leaves. So, this is this is insane to me. Do you know why that is? Do you know why that is? I assume it's just because they said, like, the quote I saw was they, they don't want to be seen as predatory. Exactly. They have guilt over being the final nail in the coffin for the Pac-12. They, they, they are reticent to be seen. I guess guilt not the right. They are reticent to be seen as the final nail in the coffin for a conference of which they just poached USC and UCLA from. Like, on the radio today, the way I said it was, 
they don't want to kick a man while they're down. Yeah, they're the reason they're down. Like, they beat the Pac-12's ass and put them down. And they're not going to help them back up. But, hey, we're not going to kick you while you're down. We'll wait until, you know, you're completely dead. Then we'll, we'll steal all your stuff then. Like, is anybody really going to think that poorly about the Big Ten? I guess? Like, I just don't see it happening. I, I just, to me, the bigger issue here is that, like, Washington and Oregon as programs actually offer something. And, like, to college football in general, not to conference, like, overall they do. I mean. They're relevant. They're, they're both top 25 programs. Like, Michael Penix this year is going to be really fun to watch. Washington's a cool program. Um, Oregon's been good my entire life. Like, I mean, at least this way they have a lifeline to where they can still be something instead of floundering around in the Pac-12 for a little while. I mean, I, I just don't know, like, the Big 12, like, worrying about the reputation hit that you're gonna, that you're gonna about to incur just seems a little nonsensical to me. Yeah, I don't really want 20-team conferences. 16 is almost like the absolute max. Like, I don't even love that. I'm not happy that Texas and Oklahoma are coming. No, it's goofy. I wonder, like, if there will ever be. I guess you can't really do it. You said, like, you know, Syracuse and everybody would sue. So, like, what happens if the ACC is just like, yes, we're going to just pay our biggest schools and try to bully some of these other teams out? And, like, hey, yes, yeah, Syracuse, you're you're done. And then Syracuse is like, okay, well, we'll go somewhere else where we're respected. We'll go, we'll, we'll leave the conference because we're not going to take this disrespect. Like, do you think there's any chance that teams start leaving conferences that are healthy to try to be bigger fish? Like, if you're Arkansas, if you're Missouri, are you hoping that the Big uh, that the Big Twelve calls you? Kind of like Nebraska did by joining the Big Ten West. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think so, not with the money, because it is clear to me now at this point that the path to postseason success, the path to the playoff, doesn't matter as much as the money does, which that's kind of been like the the craziest, I guess one of the crazier things to me is like these schools have totally convinced the fan bases that the only thing that matters, like the money is just the be-all, end-all. Like you would think that somebody, somebody in the Pac-12 would be like, wait, 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 wait. USC and UCLA are gone, and really only USC matters here. USC is gone, and in 12 months, we have an automatic bid to the playoff from this conference. Let's just stick it out, and let's go to the playoff a couple times, and then in four years or whatever, we'll see where the we'll see the lay of the land and see if we can get something else. But nobody seems to want to do that. Maybe it's just because the fear of missing out is that much. Yeah, if, 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 if it folds, you're absolutely just boned. Yeah, it's just surprising to me that nobody anywhere, like, because it didn't have to be like this. Like, you know, because if Arizona decides to stay, then, like, everyone backs off the cliff for at least now. And so nobody's just kind of saying, like, why don't we just see, like, what happens, you know? Like, because everyone's going to get to go. Well, I mean, if I'm Missouri or I'm Arkansas, like, the $20 million sacrifice might be worth going to the Big 12 and – you know, you got an infinitely better chance of winning your conference. Like, Missouri's never winning the SEC again, or the East again. I mean, I know there's no divisions. They're never going to be relevant. Arkansas is not going to do it. But if you drop those schools in the Big 12, they would have at least, like, a, a 10% chance each year. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like at this point, the money is too much. The money matters too much to these people. It does. It does. Which is sad. Because, like, it's, I mean, it's, it's $20 million. For these schools, is that really that much? 
I mean, I guess when you think of it over the course of a five-year span, that's $100 million. So I guess, yes, the answer is yes. Because Florida State is willing to eat, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars because they feel like they're losing that money regardless by not being in the SEC and the Big Ten because their annual payout is, is 10 to $20 million less per year. So I guess the money is that much. Yeah, no, I just wonder at what point, like, there's a break-even point where it tips and, like, the prestige is actually worth the, the lack of money. Being, yeah. like, thought of as a power is worth it. Because, like, Clemson right now is on the other side of the power thing. If they come to the SEC and just become, like, a 8-4, and 9-3 and three program, was it worth it? Like, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I'm asking myself that. Maybe if yeah, I'm I don't a- think either a- ACC program would do well in the SEC right now. Right. I don't think Oklahoma's going to do well when they come. I don't think, yeah, for sure. I don't, and I don't, I think Clemson and Florida State wouldn't do well either because I don't think Florida State recruits well enough. I know it crushes the portal, but you still have to just recruit like a madman. And then Clemson is just stagnant and stale, and it's just going to get worse when you join the SEC. I mean, some of these schools, it just seems insane to do. Like, it's always been insane about Oklahoma to do it. But the money is just better, so here they are. I have found it very interesting, though. Yeah, it's it's been it's. I agree that it's been fun to keep up with. I want to hear like the actual like TV offers that the Pac-12 has been able to get up because that guy, the commissioner Kliakov or whatever, made it work harder on himself by like speaking the last two weeks. Yeah, like yeah, the longer we wait, the better our offer is, and hell yeah, we're in a much better position because. We got Deion Sanders in our conference, and he moves the needle TV-wise, and then Deion Sanders leaves. Yeah. And, like, the whole time Deion Sanders was, like, one of the main – he was, like, one of, if not the driving force at Colorado to leave because he wanted to be in the Big 12 because he wanted back into Texas recruiting. Yeah, I mean, he was essentially the Magic Johnson meme. I'm not going to be there. And who can blame him? I mean – like it makes sense. There's a there's a you know I mean there's a long stand. I mean they were in the Big Twelve for you know like it at least seems to make more sense than any of the other stuff that realignment's done. I mean I, like it's still stupid to me. Maryland's in the Big Ten. I that I'll never get used to that in my mind. Maryland is in the ACC. And then they get here and they're going to Apple TV. Maybe, maybe they went to NBC three times. They went to NBC three times. Again, for the third time, like within the last month, they went back one more time and got rebuffed, which I don't even know how they thought NBC would. Like, NBC's only ever played, only ever had one game a a Saturday, and this year they're finally going to two games a Saturday. They really thought they were going to add, like, go to three just like that. Yeah, I mean, NBC's in, like, like the next round of Big Ten contracts too, right? Yeah, they so they have the night game for Big Ten. It's this year because um, uh, it's this year, I believe. Maybe it doesn't start until – I thought it was this year because the Michigan State-Penn State game is on, like, Friday night on NBC on Black Friday. I think it's this year, but it's going to be um, Jack Collinsworth and Todd Blackledge. Like, Blackledge left ESPN to go do the Big Ten game on NBC. Um, they, have the, like, they have, like, a primetime Big Ten game. So – and then CBS is, the, is going to have a 2.30 game, 3.30 game. Any other thoughts on realignment? No, it's just kind of dumb. I mean, it's just – the whole thing is just crazy. 
but it's been interesting. I mean, I, 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 like, the only thing I do like, well, I did like this idea. It didn't happen, but the, like, theoretically, the one thing I like about conference expansion is that as a nine-game conference schedule, and, of course, the SEC voted that down. I don't know if they'll opt for that in the future or not. I do like that, but... Well, a part of that was that ESPN wasn't necessarily crazy about the idea, right? They didn't want to pony up more money for it, I don't think, right? Wasn't that a part of the reason? Yeah, the SEC was like, look, the, the SEC, I think, was like, if we are going to play a ninth conference game, we want to be compensated for that, which the current TV deal does not compensate us for a ninth conference game. So, yes, they wanted more money. Well, that should have been the indicator to the rest of the country. That should have been an indicator to the Pac-12. <laughs> they weren't going to get what they wanted. Yeah, the money's drying up. Like, if they're not willing to give you a bunch of money for a ninth, another SEC week, that should have been a pretty good indication of, hey, we're maybe overplaying our hand here. I just want rid of awful non-conference games. Yeah, me too. Me too. And that's why I wanted a ninth conference game. I don't care about the fact that one year you'll play five road games and the next year you'll play five home games. I don't care about any of that. I am tired. Like, this game against Virginia, we're playing Syracuse and Atlanta. I think we play West Virginia and Charlotte again. Like, this stuff, this is stupid. This is dumb. Like, just give me a conference game against some team that ought not even be in the SEC, but at least it's a conference game. That's how I feel. Let's get to some Patreon questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Going to do another audits before football season. If your uh, subscription has subs- uh, expired and you're in the Discord and you want access to all that, uh, check your check your receipts. We've got a couple new patrons to shout out. New $5 patron, Christian Gates. Shout out Brother Christian. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron, Chad Francis. Shout out Brother Chad. We love you and appreciate you. And new $10 patron, K-Webb. K-Webb. Shout out to a Brother K-Webb. We love you and appreciate you. Sometimes the emails don't have the actual name, so I don't know what his actual name is, but shout out to him. Or her. Assume it's him. Or her. Could be, could be Sister K. All right, hit us with some questions. Brother Marwan asks, biggest trap game on the schedule? Before we get to that, I also want to say, uh, going to fire up all the patron fantasy football signups this week, too. So uh, it's on my docket. I'll try to get it up and get it started in the Discord and on the actual Patreon. Maybe by the time you hear this, if you're not listening live on Discord, just want to point that out as well. So go ahead. Uh, biggest trap game on the schedule. Does Texas A&M count as a trap game? I mean, it was probably going to be my answer, but we do have the buy before it. And I feel like Texas A&M's probably too good to be considered a trap game. And it's also at <laughs> I, home, and I don't think we lose it. They're, I'm baffled by the amount of love they're getting. I mean, they got talent, I guess. I know. I guess the biggest trap game is, and I'm not – this is just – I guess it's Kentucky because it's right after Alabama. I don't think we lose this game. I always expect to beat Kentucky. I always expect to beat. I think we'll be. I think we'll be a lot better than Kentucky. I just think. I guess. I cannot bring myself to say UTSA. Okay, I'm not doing it. No, it's not UTSA because they're going to have no chance in hell of stopping our offense. 
The answer has to be Kentucky, unless you believe in Missouri at all. And I do not. Not even with I, – I do not. Like, the new quarterback, like, not doing, not moving the needle for me there. South Carolina is going to have your full attention. Therefore, it cannot be a trap game. Yep. Florida shouldn't be – like, it's, Florida's not really considered a trap game, right? It's your first big game of the year. It's the first big game of the year. It's – yeah, I, I did – I mean – yeah, no. What I will say about getting our ass kicked by South Carolina last year is that for the next couple years, Josh Heupel is going to be able to point to that and should be able to like have his team be focused. about You know, that, that's a warning sign of like, hey, what happens when you don't take your opponent seriously? We got our ass absolutely kicked. You guys remember what that feels like, right? Yeah. So the, the answer is Kentucky is – you know, distasteful as that is, but it, it's Kentucky. I'll say a and I'll say a but uh, Tennessee should win both of those games. Brother Trent asks, other than Joseph Milton third, who are you most excited to see play this fall? I like watching offense more. Just in a sense of like players with the ball are easy to like easier to spot. You know, what I mean, you don't if you're watching like a defensive back play, chances are you're not going to get to see them most of the time. Yeah, I kind of want to see another year of Dylan Sampson. I mean, I don't know. Like, I liked when he got the ball last year. Squirrel. I mean, Squirrel got what 31 touches last year and was pretty explosive. I kind of want to see what he looks like as of right now. Who do you think our three receivers are? I don't know. I, I think it's hard to imagine Squirrel not starting, but the Volquist guys keep talking about Dante Thornton as a one-and-done. Yeah, him being five inches taller than Jalen Hyatt is kind of crazy to me. Because I didn't think of Jalen Hyatt as short by any means. Maybe it's just because he's so tall and skinny, but having someone kind of in that position at six foot five seems kind of wild. And he, So he was in the slot. He's in the slot. I mean, I get Brew and Keaton, and then I guess Squirrel for right now. It's just hard to imagine Squirrel White not playing all the time because I don't know how anybody is going to guard him. Like, no, but like he's faster than everyone. But I can't see Josh changing his philosophy though, and like he's not going to sub out on drives. Yeah, that's the other thing. So you're only going to play three wide. Like I will believe it when I see it that they play more than three wide receivers. Maybe there's a a three a, a 3A and three B, and they rotate series or something. I don't know. But after the after Squirrel in the Orange Bowl, it's just hard to imagine him not playing. I thought it was going to be Keaton that was the odd man out, but you know they're going out of their way to talk about him being kind of the new leader and how he's doing all the. The stuff Jalen Hyatt did about arriving early to practice and staying late on the jugs machine and how, you know, he's ready to take the next step. That was my pick at the beginning of the year was to, for him to be the, the odd man out. Uh, they're dead set on seem If they appear as of right now, so far, Thornton is a slot. Crypto went down a bit and Keaton said, hey, it's time to get mass out here on the jugs machine. I'm going to go with Cam Seldon. I'm ready to see Cam Seldon. Yeah, play. that's the thing, though. We got three running backs and four wide receivers that we got to get the ball, though. Yeah, and I'm not sure any of the, the – the, the, I don't know that the running backs are nearly as good as the wide receivers. I know, but I feel better about them being at least somewhat established. There's three of them to pass. 
You only usually yeah. play one at a time. I think Seldon will play some. I think Seldon will play some. I think he might just it might just be kickoffs. Yeah, it could just be mop up duty too. Maybe it's one of those things that as the season goes on, he keeps earning earning reps. Brother OG Matt asks, is it possible to be too balled up? Yes, yes. There are some people online in our fan base that are too balled up. It is very possible. If you're like I, I see these tweets in the off season about like the most random and obscure UT players ever imaginable about how they miss them and how like this like some random highlight montage of these dudes like from like I'm just I saw a tweet that was like some guy saying John Fulkerson was his favorite UT basketball player of all time like what that's too balled up John Fulkerson played with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield what are we doing here John Fulkerson yes. played with Lou Evans. He played with Lou Evans. What are we doing here? There is a there is there is a such thing as being too vault up. You don't want to be too vault up. No bad tattoos. Don't get any bad Tennessee tattoos. That's too vault up. I gotta admit that the stuff like I see these this this apparel that is like fifty two to forty nine themed, and I cringe a little bit. 52 to 49 apparel, two vault up. I just, I cringe a little bit because, like, don't get me wrong. Like, that win meant a lot to me, okay? I live in Alabama. Like, that meant, that win meant a lot to me. But, like, just seeing, like, you'll see it on, like, the back of cars. And, like, I saw, I mean, it's just, I'm just, I cringe a little bit because it was just one game. It was an amazing game. It was one of the best college football games ever. Back of the car is pretty wild. A shirt, I'll maybe forgive, but back of the car, something every day that you have to be reminded of. That That's a little much. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at, I have a, I have a picture hung up, a, fo- a photograph of, of Travis Stevens. From the 34-32-2001 Florida game, so maybe maybe it's not too vault up because I have this picture that I've had like for 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 years that I love um, because that was just one of the most amazing games ever when we beat Florida in the swamp. So I don't know, maybe it's not too vault up. If you ever had a feed the bull shirt, you're too vault up. That's okay. That's true. That was feed the bull. That was weird. That was weird. Too vault that up. That was weird. Brother Sloth asks for you, why do you think the Vols are going 8-4? and four? I don't. I don't think the Vols are going 8-4. and four. I'm being taken out of context, per usual. Try to provide a little nuance and people take you out of context. Did you see the conversation? Did you see the discourse that Sloth is referring to? No, I didn't. I missed it, but I've seen references to it well, over and over. We were just having a discussion about, would you rather have a free trip to Maui to watch the ball, to watch the Vols play in the Maui Invitational, or be at the the Georgia game and win. And I was just saying I would rather go to Hawaii. And my point was like everyone just assumes that if you beat Georgia, you're setting up an undefeated season to win the championship. And I said you're not guaranteed that. All I said was like, well, is your answer still going to be the same if if that's to get us to like eight and three? 
or seven and you know seven and four. Is that still such a historical win that you would want a free trip to Hawaii to? And that got turned into me saying we we're going eight and four. That's it. I was just saying you're not guaranteed to be undefeated or even have one loss against Georgia when, it, when that game happens. That's it. That's all I said. And it's true. I'm a logical person, Seth. I can't help it. Okay. I'm not saying we will be eight and three. I'm not saying we will have that many losses. I'm just saying it's possible. You kn- I've watched too many tricky movies, right, where you sell your soul to the devil for a wish and then he tricks you. Maybe watch Bedazzled with Brendan Fraser, Sloth, then get back to me. Elizabeth Hurley kept tricking him. He would always make a wish and lock in some scenario, but there would always be some poor stipulation that he didn't think about. So in that scenario, you're locking in, oh, I'd give anything for a home win over Georgia, and next thing you know is to go 2-11. and 11. That's too many games. 2-10. and 10. You just got to be careful in these scenarios. That's all I'm saying. Just, just flesh it all out. Have you ever seen Bedazzled? I've not, no. Not not a, not a big Brendan Fraser guy. What? You didn't like The Mummy? I figured you were, your nerdy ass would have loved The Mummy. Uh, I mean, it's funny, I guess. It's like a goofy kind of, you know. Not historically problems. accurate? No, I mean, like, I think, like, it's just, it's fine. I mean, Rachel Wise is good. Well, Elizabeth Hurley is very sexy and bedazzled. I don't know if the movie holds up or if it's very good, but this poor, you know, he's a, he's a loser. He's a loser. He has no friends. He can't score girls. And one night he runs into Elizabeth Hurley, who's the devil, and he sells his soul for seven wishes. And every wish he makes, he just, he can't win. So one time he's like, hey, this girl really likes sensitive guys, so I want to be really sensitive. So that she'll like me. But then he's like, she makes him so sensitive that he just keeps crying every time he sees the ocean. And then she eventually gets sick of him because he cries too much. So he's like, oh, I want to be a professional athlete because she likes manly men. I want to be a stud. So then she turns into like a basically white shack. And like she's in love with him. But then in the locker room, he takes the towel off and you find out he has a very tiny penis. So she doesn't like him anymore. And, you know, it just goes on like that for six more wishes. Or I guess four more wishes. And then, you know, the seventh wish, I won't tell you because that spoils the movie. But either way. Sounds like a lot of body shaming was going on in this movie. Uh, A little homophobic. uh, A little body shaming. Yeah, there was some of that. But Elizabeth Hurley looked hot. I think it was like right after Austin Powers, too, so I was all the way in. I mean, not every hog can be a log chain. It doesn't actually show the hog, but it sounds like a micro hog. It doesn't have to be a log chain, but especially if you're going to be like seven foot, it's got to be at least proportional, maybe. I don't know. She just laughed at it. He got so embarrassed. He's like, no, that ain't right. Because for some reason they made him a really country version of Shaq. I don't know. Brother Jonathan Toy asks, power rank these game day experiences. Waking up in the morning of a home football game and the weather is absolutely perfect. Driving to the game and seeing Tennessee car flags in the interstate. And getting out of your car and taking your first sip of your preferred game day beverage at the tailgate. Well, waking up with the weather being perfect doesn't do much for you, Toy, because the weather changes by the time the game starts. I wake up to go set up the tailgate. It's like 6 a.m. It's actually kind of chilly, so it's never perfect. The car flags, I got to be honest, that doesn't do much for me either. I mean, I like to have a sip of alcohol, especially at a tailgate. 
But none of those three got my juices flowing, brother Toy. None of those, none, none of those got my juices flowing. Do you like any of those, Seth? I, I do love, I do love driving on I forty East on Friday afternoon and just seeing a lot of Tennessee, just seeing a lot of orange and white. It just, it makes me happy because that Tennessee is good again. These fans have something to be happy about, proud about. Well, you're driving up hours, too. So, if you're driving over from Nashville, if you're driving over from Memphis, if you're driving up from, you know, maybe even as far as Oh, yeah, for you, it's totally different. Yeah. yeah. I used to love it when I was a kid, but now, you know, I'm already in town. Yep. I do love that first sip of Diet Coke in the morning, though. I do love that. That gets me going every day. Every day. I go down in the in the hotel at the Hilton Garden Inn. I go down, and I buy a Diet Coke. And I go back and I sit in bed and I watch game day with my best friend Luke as I sip on that Diet Coke. I don't even like game day. We don't even like game day. Game day's pretty pretty awful. But that's just what we do. Yeah, waking up is my least favorite part of the day, Toy. So that's last because typically you're going to have many, many hours before anything actually happens. So that's last. I am ready for football, though. I think we're doing. I think we're planning our patron tailgate for South Carolina weekend. You going to be up here? Yes, yes, yes. That's the plan right now. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Brother Dash asks, "Would you rather drink nothing but warm milk for the rest of your life, or only be able to eat soup?" Only be able to. Oh, that's a good one. The idea of warm milk is my only beverage. Like no water, so like I'm 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 hot. I'm doing something. I don't even get cold milk. I'm drinking warm milk. It's soup. It's definitely be able to eat soup. There's so many different kinds of soup. Yeah, I was gonna say the fact uh, the fact you didn't just limit me to one soup. It has to be soup. Yeah, but I, I don't warm really like soup that terrible. much. I hate uh, I don't I don't hate soup, but it would get pretty old. Imagine if you like burn your mouth and you have to just keep eating more soup. Your mouth would just—you'd lose the roof of your mouth. You can eat. There's, there's cold soup. There's chilled soup. Chilled soup sounds gross. I don't think I really like any chilled soup. It exists. That sounds like—is cold soup not just stew? I normally eat my stew hot. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just all over it. I normally eat like beef stew when it's hot. Okay, producer, cut that out. I'll go with soup. Brother Mason, a.k.a. Willie Martinez Truther, asks, with the recent uptick in the discovery of college athletes betting on the games they were involved in, how long do we have until we get another point-shaving scandal? Well, people have discovered that in the game where the Iowa backup kicker bet on the under, there was a field goal miss by his brother, the starting kicker, not his actual brother, but his teammate, with like 30 seconds left, that would have pushed it over. So we might have already had it, Mason. I was going to say, I think it's already happened. It's just whether or not, it's just when it comes out. It's so easy to point shave towards the end of games. Like in basketball, especially like when the spread's like six, seven, eight points. Or 10, 15, 20 points, somewhere around there. Because that, at that point, the game's not even really close. Like, think about how many times watching college basketball. I'm not really talking to you, Seth, in this part, because I know you don't really gamble. But think about how many times you've bet on basketball games and the spread's been like six and a half and someone fouls with like two seconds left. 
to send the team to the free throw line to make the to go up seven or eight to cover the spread. Happens a lot. The more you watch basketball and you bet on it, either NBA or college, those last couple seconds, there's always a sweat on whether or not they're going to foul for either the over-under or the spread. It had to have already happened, like you said. Now, whenever we discover it, it does seem like they're doing a pretty good job of catching these people. Like, I don't even know how they caught these people, like, betting on their, like, parents' account. How did they even catch that? I don't know. I was curious about that, too. Like, I, Andy Staples was talking about it, and his explanation didn't really makes because he was talking about like now he was signing up for a new for a new gambling site and he was like you had to put in your name as it appears on your driver's license well that's now i don't know how they caught people five years ago or whatever like some of these things happened years and years ago i don't know how they even found out that this dude's because one of the dudes was doing it on his like a, an account that had like his dad's name on it right yeah and another was doing it on his mom's yeah so I don't, I don't know i don't know how they're catching people i also saw that like they're pleading non-guilty so i wonder if they're going to just say, like, hey, we weren't gambling. I was just gambling for my mom. I was advising her. It was all her money. I didn't To gamble, I have to be betting my own money. I'm not betting my own money. I was betting her money. I was just giving her advice. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, they, like Iowa State is going to lose their starting quarterback because of this. Yeah. He's done. He's done. He walked away from the team. The statement said, like, fall camp. But, like, there's no way he comes back. If he does yeah, come back, there's no way he's a football. starter. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Matt Campbell like I, is is now the next David Shaw. He's the new David he Shaw. He really screwed up, man. He really screwed up. He did. He could have gone to the NFL. He could have done anything. And now he's just on a... a he's stuck in a dead-end town. A dead-end program and no quarterback. Brother West Tennessee Ben asks, who we think will win... The West. He gives us three choices. LSU under Brian Kelly, Saban being Saban, or K.J. Jefferson becomes a Heisman-level quarterback. Well, that one's not happening. I will go Alabama because they play in Tuscaloosa this year. I'm going to go Alabama, too. I just don't think LSU's quite there yet. Although, we don't know what Alabama's quarterback looks like. That's not, that's, uh, that's not a good situation. And they do have to play Texas week two. They should beat Texas, but there's a chance Alabama just has shitty quarterback play. They yeah, should still be able say, to out-athlete people, though, right? But like, I could see a scenario where like they just don't, they just can't score. Yeah, like they could be nine and three and have a really good defense, but just can't score. Yeah, I could see that. I'll still put my money on Alabama just because they have it at home. I do think it's very fascinating though that both LSU and Alabama are playing like other playoff contenders. And if they lose that game, I know it doesn't affect the question in terms of the SEC standings. But, you know, Alabama is not necessarily riding high morale-wise after last year. And, you know, if Brian Kelly loses to Florida State again, that's going to be a kind of a deflating loss. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if Brian Kelly could rally, could circle the wagons again. This year, mm-hmm. like last for year one's a lot easier to do. I mean, could he do it again? Like they should. I mean, like what do you do if you're Alabama if you lose to Texas? Like you really should not lose that game. Any other questions? That's all I got. All right, I will uh, talk to you next week. Have a good week. I love you. I love you, and I'll talk to you later. All right, see you, bye. Bye bye.
Stay. 